Welcome to Sense and Sustainability, your podcast channel for sustainable procurement. We hope you like what you hear. Please go to www.iso2400.org for more information, learning resources, tools and much more. When we when we met uh, a few days ago to talk about this this discussion, you mentioned also you're doing some work in modern slavery. Yeah, so a, a few years ago, we introduced the first product level modern slavery declaration, which just works with the exact supply chains for a specific product or range of products. And it's based on a modern slavery risk assessment, but also it does a data quality risk assessment. So there's two metrics in the assessment uh, across the eight different categories that are in both the UK and Australian and likely shortly New Zealand and Canada. Very, very similar legislation, same, same heads of consideration. And so at a product level, what we're seeking to do is to bridge the data mismatch when you have, you know, one of the companies that's captured by the 150 million pounds or 100 million Australian dollar thresholds. And, you know, they say to us, say a plasterboard manufacturer, Mr. Plasterboard manufacturer, please tell me about the modern slavery issues in in the plasterboard supply chain that I buy from you. And the manufacturer then sends them back their company statement that covers 150 products that they manufacture because that's all they've got. So with a product level declaration, we have the ability to, for a manufacturer to to take that and actually answer the question directly, which then can be aggregated by the the contractors up into a proper statement. And, you know, ultimately um, a modern slavery declaration is part of the major positive declaration process that we're doing. So again, we are able to do a benchmark statement for a manufacturer based on the information we already have. Uh, It might not have great data quality because a lot of it might be research-based, but as you know, in the legislation, there has to be an annual report and an annual improvement. And so working on data quality improvement over time gives a manufacturer that, you know, a pathway to move forward on improving their, the quality of their outcomes. So this is interesting because I get clients frequently saying, well, what do I need to do to make sure there is no slavery in my in my product supply chain? And of course, that's virtually impossible. So what you're saying your product does is it it's helping to demonstrate that those manufacturers are moving in the right direction. It, it, it's not an assurance of no slavery because I, I'm not sure anybody will ever achieve that. No, it's not. And it's 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 a it's a it's a. Uh, a framework that enables a manufacturer to provide an answer to a builder or a contractor who's buying their product and gives them then a pathway to how they can, what they need to do to improve their out, uh, outcomes uh, on an annual basis. And obviously, if someone wants to take it seriously, then they can in, engage us or other consultants. We don't really care. They can provide data from anywhere. Ultimately, this is about documenting in a way that can be transferred and be aggregated by someone who, who's actually trying to do a, a good job of reporting their, their modern slavery risk. 
William, thank you. And also, when when we first met, we uh, we we kept discovering that we have common backgrounds and common interests, and uh, and we talked briefly about the supply chain sustainability school. And I I started the school in the UK, and I believe that you were uh, very early adopters in Australia. Would you like to talk to me about that? Um, yeah, I mean, the supply chain, I think we met in the UK and then we met again uh, in Sydney some years later. But uh, And I think it was a result of your initial meeting, uh, our me initial meeting in the UK that I actually sought out the sustainability supply chain school in Australia. And yeah, I mean, it's an important initiative. I mean, it, it, education and understanding is, is an essential part of moving the industry on. And uh, if education and the cost of education becomes a barrier to learning, then it's a barrier to sustainability. Yeah. And uh, we were uh, partners of the school for for quite a long while um, and uh, are just looking to get reinvolved with it again. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I've found in the UK that, you know, we're talking about some of the, the very sophisticated things that you do in, in Global Green Tag, but when you get down into small business area, which, you know, the construction industry, I find generally in most parts of the world that I've looked at is a very small number of very large businesses at the top and a very large number of very small businesses at the bottom. And the the the, the depth of, of ignorance, for want of a better word, is, is quite astonishing. I mean, we, we launched a, a free carbon calculator in the UK. Um, we've got something like 2,000 businesses now signed up to it, mostly small businesses that are just recording their carbon in a very simple way. But we would get calls to say, well, the system's asking me about electricity consumption. Where do I find that information? And it's you look at your electric bill, you know, it's not that difficult, but there seems to be a, a real lack of awareness of the impact at, at that level, at small business level. And that's not, it's not the fault of small businesses. As you say, it's, it's kind of, it's lack of availability of, of high quality learning that, that doesn't have to cost a lot of money, which is obviously what we're, we're trying to do in school in the UK and in Australia. And we're just in the process of uh, launching a school in Ireland in the new year as well. So it's, it's kind of, it's growing, it's growing slowly, but very important that we provide those, uh, those education resources uh, free of charge. So um, we can talk about this forever, I'm sure. It's, uh, yeah, I think it's been uh, it's been interesting, and the the journey in Australia is. Uh, uh, I think we've had the school there for about eight years, something like that now, and uh, it's been quite a success. Yes, it has, and uh, you know, I mean, ultimately, I spend probably uh, ninety five or maybe even ninety eight percent of my time when I'm talking to you know prospective clients, um, just educating. Because yeah. it's as soon as you educate and they're aware of what the scope and potential is for their products and for their business, and you know all about the sort of different global rating tools and how all that's working, and you know how one piece of evidence like a product health declaration can carry them around and make them relevant to you know 170 plus countries through lead or. 90 plus countries through the international well building standard or 54 countries through the green star standard and that that one piece of evidence is you know probably costs them less than half a page or a one page ad in the local magazine it's it, it you know the objections about how you know cost and costly and hard certification is to get be, becomes a bit moot often 
you know, that's put up as a barrier, but in, in reality, you know, it generally means that somebody's made some assumptions and hasn't really ever asked the question or not asked of the correct person or organisations. Yeah, I, I generally say it's, it's not a cost, it's an investment, particularly as, as the world is taking more and more interest in some of these things. Is there, I mean, you know, you've mentioned Lead, Green Star, you know, Briam and all, all of those all of those things. Is there enough standardization around the world? Because you know, large manufacturers tend to be very global and supply chains have a global reach. Is there enough standardization? Do we need more or do we need to not worry too much about that and just get on with it? No, look, I think there's a few different areas. I mean, when we set up Global Green Tag, we set it up called Global Green Tag for one yeah, good reason. reason because we called up European standards or European norms and we called up American norms and and had them in the one clause as acceptable. And so when we got recognized, we would actually, we were the joining force in a sense between the two hemispheres uh, from a standards point of view. Um, but ultimately the world has standardized from an EPD point of view on EN 15804. So that's consistent in LEED and GreenStar um, and in BRIAM. And so from an EPD, from a, a life cycle analysis and, and, and product declaration point of view, from, there is complete standardization globally uh, around that. So that that's really good. Um, there's relatively good globalization around sort of volatile organic compounds. Where the, where the lack of standardization comes into play is around what constitutes a responsible product and how that is verified or, or validated. Um, I think if I'm looking at, at, at all of the different rating systems around the world that I can see, I think the one, and you know, this is without even a hint of any local bias, <laughs> um, because it's the one probably that's done the, the most recent updates is, uh, is GreenStar and its responsible products framework it really is strides ahead of anything else globally. And even from what I'm seeing, LEED V5 um, is, is not really doing the whole product sector, um, the kind of justice that it needs to be done in, in terms of anteing up to a more robust procurement, sustainable procurement se um, sector. Uh, it, it's, it's focusing uh, on climate. Um, so there's a, you know, there's a whole uh, piece to be done then on to be to be executed on on around um, sustainable procurement or responsible product procurement. Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to Briam, there's some technical, some very very small technical aspects that are probably would get over the hump of that standardisation. It's it's a little bit frustrating from that point of view, but you know we're we're in dialogue with them at the moment, trying to overcome those little little technical glitches. But ultimately, there is a, a whole, there's a general recognition that sort of third-party certification, the type one eco labels um, under ISO 14,024, that that is the, the premier sort of uh, indicator. And of course, all of our systems, all the systems that we operate, operate, uh, you know, under an externally verified compliant ISO 14,024 system. Uh, and along with an ISO 17,065 compliant conformance assessment process that we, we operate. So, you know, we're technically one of the most 
externally certified and verified eco labels uh, on the planet and you know that's how we like it we, we you know we we want to be because when we first started eco specifier people would say to us yeah but who checks the checkers <laughs> yeah yeah you can go on that thread forever, can't you? So that that was that was like okay, that's a really important thing. So we've always focused on that. So being able to demonstrate that we are we subject ourselves to that external um, you know review. Everything we do, you know, the product health declarations we do, they're externally peer reviewed by a consultant toxicologist. Everything we do is internally peer reviewed by another team member before it goes out. Um, obviously, EPDs and LCA is always peer-reviewed. So there's, there's this very, very high level of an importance placed on making sure that we can say that what we do is ab above reproach. And I think that's held us in very good stead. Yeah, it's really important for purchasers because I'm, my background is procurement and it's a it's a very scary world for buyers these days. You know, they're, they're getting into things that they don't necessarily understand. And, you know, I, I do get questions like, you know, what is there a database of, of sustainable products? You know, and I can just pick one. It's not quite <laughs> as simple as that, is it? I mean, there's lots of information out there, but you really do need to, to start to understand it. Well, what we you know, we see it as our job is to help manufacturers once they're certified to get that out. So we we have an a, um, you know other websites are able to connect to an API to our website and just on a daily basis to you know get uploads of, of of certified product. And of course, the products that we certify are they might be available you know in Australia or the US or the UK or Europe because they're global manufacturers. We've got uh, over eighteen thousand SKUs. Uh, in uh, manufactured in 22 countries for over uh, 250 manufacturers globally so you know on our books and and, and so we, we you know the products that we certify are in the global supply chains yeah yeah and in many cases this information is available free of charge isn't it when we talk Absolutely. Well, we met earlier about building transparency in the states and I think they pick up some of your EPD data and as a, as a not-for-profit they provide that information for free. Yeah, and we're, we're indeed. I mean, you don't even have to, there's no mandatory, not even a mandatory login on our website. You can literally rock up and use the information to your heart's mm -hmm. content. Anything that's on that website is available. If you want a copy of our standard, you have to sign a bit of a, you know, a license agreement, but it's all yeah. free. Ultimately, the, the whole process is about openness. It's about transparency. Yeah. And, you know, that that's an essential part of what we do is is that free access to the information fantastic i guess we, we ought to try and wrap now i could talk about some of this stuff for, forever um but yeah thanks very much for that david i think our uh, our audience as i said when we first met or, no actually not when we first met but when we met last week it is you know, primarily procurers sustainability people that are really trying to understand how they can can start to develop their procurement processes to to, to deliver more sustainable outcomes. And I think what, what you guys are doing and what we've learned from today's podcast, uh, I hope is going to be really useful to them. So thanks very much for your time. I do hope uh, our audience benefit from our discussion. Thanks, Shane. Appreciate it. I mean, ultimately what we do is we make something which is really complex like sustainability and make it, you know, turn it into, in, into collateral that people can use to yeah, market those claims, yeah. you know, in a trustworthy way. So, yeah, thank you. 
Thank you for listening to our podcast on Sense and Sustainability. Please listen out for more episodes. For more information, learning resources, tools, and much more content on sustainable procurement, go to www.iso2400.org.